0: Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Our Bible reading this morning is Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, he does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them, O Israel. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord.
1: good to be with you guys this morning. Let me get this out of the way. I'm going to dive into some prayer before we dive into God's word together. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you are a good God. You are a God uh, that uh, isn't simply above the other gods in a pantheon. You are the one true God. Uh, Lord, the one who can protect us, who can give us what a world of broken idols uh, could never dream of. Lord, as we continue our series on why Jesus, Lord, I pray that you convict us, but also embolden us to know the God that we have and the security and the privilege we get to be about your mission. We say this all in your son's precious name, amen. Again, it's good to be with you guys this morning. We are in the middle of a series called Why Jesus? We're just asking the question, why do we believe in Jesus? Why should I believe in him? Why should you believe in him? Why should my neighbor believe in him? Uh, This came out of a conversation I had with a bunch of pastors back in November. Uh, The district of our denomination sent a bunch of us out to Seattle. And so we were talking and we were praying together and we were talking about discipleship and following Jesus in simplest terms. That's what discipleship means. How do we become followers? How do we become like this man who said he was the son of God? And in that conversation, the question came up, well, why should people do it in the first place? Because sometimes we as Christians can make the assumption, oh, you should just do it because. But when we get into the you should do it because, and you tell that to someone who doesn't know who Jesus is, who doesn't have that same experience, or even when you get in the place where the rubber meets the road, if we don't know the answer why, it is easy to fall off and start trusting and start following, Other gods, other ways of living that will ultimately not give us the fulfillment and the peace and the joy and the life and life to the full, as Jesus put it, that he promised to his disciples. And so we're going through and looking at different aspects of why should we follow this Jesus guy? Why should we believe in this specific God when there are so many different gods that are out there? Christianity is not the only religion. Uh, there's lots of you know, different flavors of Christianity, but the common cause is we believe Christ, him crucified and risen, right? But you know, there's Hinduism, there's Muslims, there's Buddhism. I mean, literally thousands of different religions. So we're going to look at today what scripture says about other gods and what scripture says specifically about our God. But to start with that, I want to start off with uh, this definition, just so we're all on the same page of what is a God. So definition of God is a superhuman being or spirit worshipped as having power over uh, nature and the human fortunes, right? And in its simplest form, a God is something that we find our security, our identity, and our joy in. This is the big thing. All gods, no matter what type we are talking about, whether you're talking about Zeus back in ancient uh, Rome and Greece, or you're talking about Jesus. The ultimate point is to find our identity, who we are, our security, are we protected, and some level of joy or life. And that is all of God's, the whole pantheon, all you put them together, it's all trying to answer those three questions. And Psalm uh, Psalm 115 walks through what kind of God we have in comparison to the rest. So we're going to walk through literally this whole song, Psalm, verse by verse, because in it we are going to see a God who actually cares for us and can do something, and we can find those three things—identity, security, and joy—in a way that we can't in any others. So let's start off. Psalm 115, 1 and following. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. The psalmist starts off, the scripture starts off by saying our God deserves the glory. Our God deserves the praise, but I love why, right? It doesn't start off by saying because he's the biggest, meanest, baddest God that's out there. Oh, he is, but that's not where the psalmist gets the identity from. Instead... It says, because of your love and your faithfulness. You see, we have a God who actually cares about you. Right? When you looked at how the Greeks looked at their pantheon of gods, they spent so much time going to offer sacrifices, so much time to going to offer prayer in hope, in desperate hope, that they would be able to get their God's attention that they could convince this divine being, the supernatural being, to notice them, to protect them, or to bless them. They worked so hard to get their quote-unquote little g-god to notice. And what the psalmist says is, no, 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 no. Our God knows us. Our God loves us and has been faithful to us. And those two things are huge. Because, okay, love. Obviously, you want a God who loves you. You want to have relationships where love is there. But you don't want temperamental love. Right? Where he loves you when it's shining outside, but when it's raining, he doesn't love you. So he combines it with faithfulness. We have a faithful, loving God, y'all. And that is a big, big, big deal when we're looking for our identity and our protection and our joy. The psalmist goes on, and he says, Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever pleases him. Okay, this is going on here. In the Old Testament, God explicitly told his people, Do not make images of me. Do not make idols of me. Do not make statues of me to pray to. And so the other nations would look and they'd be like, hey, we've got these statues of Zeus or of Baal. We can go to this physical image and plead to our God. Why don't you have a God like that? And the reason why we don't have a God like that is because our God is not in a fixed location. Our God is not built where you have to have the right idol the right physical, tangible thing to touch him. Instead, our God isn't bound by human time or place, but he is everywhere. He is omnipresent, all-present and all-powerful. And so our God is not limited or confined by the way they thought about God's, but instead he is everywhere at all times with that love and that faithfulness. And again, y'all, that is a good thing. That is a powerful truth that as we go through a world that is broken, that has challenges, that has danger, that our God isn't in a fixed location but is instead everywhere all times loving you and protecting you and your family and all those you care about. Psalmist goes on and he says, but their idols are gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. The psalmist says, y'all, everyone else is plain pretend. These little g-gods It's plain pretend. And they can't protect you. And they're not going to ultimately be able to give you joy. It's creating your own little reality. And the problem is when we create our own reality, that reality can't give us anything. It's literally plain pretend. And he goes, God, all the other idols that are out there, your little idols of Zeus or of Aphrodite or of Ra in Egypt, because they're not real. And then he sticks the dagger home, and he says, and those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. You know, the problem with the gods that we typically create that aren't the one true God is it's just a better version of us. I think about the Greek gods, the statues, right? These are these men, these women who are perfectly proportioned and huge and muscular and beautiful. They're humans, they're just better humans. Just a little bit smarter than us. Just a little bit more powerful than us. And, and what the psalmist says is, y'all, we need something bigger than us. We need a God who isn't just a better version of Pastor Josh. Who isn't just a little bit more stronger than me or than my father or than your father. That isn't the best version of me. And the promise of the Psalms is that's the God that we have. In comparison to the gods that we can create and we're going to end this sermon by going through what I'm going to call the unholy trinity of the American gods. But we're going to go through the rest of the psalm first to kind of set that up. So, all you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He's their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The psalmist goes and says, guys, we have a God who is worthy of your trust. And when he's talking to the Israelites, when he's talking to the house of Aaron, do you know what he's saying? He's saying, remember our past. Remember the God who, when we were slaves in Egypt, took us through the Red Sea into salvation. He said, remember the God when we were in the desert and we were hungry, he provided for us and cared for us because of his love and his faithfulness. He says, remember the God who has gotten you to this point. And Acts Church, that is something that we can do as well, certainly through Scripture, certainly through knowing those stories. But all of you are here because God has provided daily bread. God has provided daily bread for every day of your life. He's provided for you. He has cared for you. He has carried you through. He has carried me through. And the psalmist says, remember that, God. Because so often when we get through the storm, when we pass through the Red Sea, we have that moment of just, oh, thank God. But then we forget as soon as the next storm comes, right? And there's always going to be another storm. There's always going to be another challenge. And yet we have a God who promises and wraps his arms around us and says, y'all, remember how I got you through it before? I'm going to do it again. And so the psalmist points back to the Older Testament, to the stories before he goes, remember this God who is worthy of our trust and hold to him and seek him out. And because of his love and his faithfulness, he's not done with you yet. Psalms continues on. He says, the Lord will remember us and will bless us. He will bless his people, Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear him, small and great alike. Because of what he has done in the past, we know what he is going to do in the future. And again, why do we trust in God? Why do we trust in Jesus? Because we know who he is. We know that we have a God If you ever doubt how far he will go, how much he loves you, you literally just look at his arms out on a cross. Do you love me this much, God? Do you love me this much, God? He says, no, 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 I love you this much. And he says, because of who I was faithful then, we have a God who we know we can trust going into the future. A God who has your best interest in mind, who has your kid's best interest in mind, who has your neighbor's best interest in mind, your coworker. Because of who he was in the past, we know who he's going to be in the future. That's why we trust in him. That's why we believe in him. And y'all, if this was the end of it, if this was the end of the psalm, this is great news. We can lock that up and we'd be like, this is awesome. But the news gets even better. The psalmist goes on, and he says, May the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May he, may uh, you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of the heaven and the earth. The highest heavens belong to him, but the earth he's given to us. This verb, may the Lord cause you, is one of the coolest verb tenses in Hebrew. And if you would have asked me, Josh, are you ever going to get excited about verb tenses? There was no way this was going to happen until I went to seminary, right? But this verb tense, right? So typically in English, we have three, past, present, and future, right? So I went somewhere, I'm going somewhere, I will go somewhere, right? So we're we're pretty simple in English. In Hebrew, they have those, but they have some variations of those. And one of them is called a a hiphiel. And the reason why this is cool and the reason why this is so exciting is because that verb is when someone else causes something. When someone else is in control of the outcome. So when it says, may the Lord cause you to flourish, what it is saying is God's gonna do something in your life that is not dependent on you. That the flourishing isn't dependent on, okay, if I'm a really good son of God, if I'm a really good daughter of God, if I get it all perfect, if I can fight the right sacrifice in the right way to get his attention, maybe something good will happen. Instead, the God that we have shows up and says, y'all, I'm going to cause something good to happen in your life. I want you to flourish. And not just you, but the psalmist says, your children. I want good for you, he says. And I'm going to be the one who makes it happen. I'm going to be the one who causes it to happen. This is the same verb that's in Psalm 23. The Lord makes me lay down in green pastures. It's literally a God who's saying, I am causing you to rest. I'm going to do something in your life that blesses you and cares for you and takes care of you in a again, y'all, this is good news. Our God is not dependent on our actions. Instead, he is self-sufficient and he loves us and he is faithful to us, and that shares and shows us who our God is. He goes on. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but to the earth he has given mankind. And it's not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence, it is, though, it is we who extore the Lord both now and forevermore. What the psalmist is saying is, y'all, even death doesn't stop what our God is doing. Right? E- even that big, dark problem that we have. That we know is going to come for each of us. He says, even death doesn't stop him. Because it's not the dead who extol him. It's not the dead who praise him, who trust in him. But we now into eternity, the psalmist says. Or as Jesus tells his disciples in Luke, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. That we have a God who not only conquers the moment to moment, who not only conquers daily bread, who not only promises to bless us and to cause us to flourish, but a God who even in death conquers and is victory. And says, even those who are dead are alive because all of his sheep never die. See, that's the God that we have. That's why we follow Jesus. Because he's not like the rest of the gods who are fickle and angry and we're not sure if they have our best interests in mind we're not sure if they hurt us we're not sure if they can take care of us instead we have a god who has proved himself in the past culminating in jesus and we can look back and say, because of that's the God that we have, I can trust him. Because of that's the God I have, I can find my joy in him. And because that's the God I have, when he says, you are a child of God, that becomes our identity. Y'all, this is good news. This is like the best news. And, and I've, been, I've been going after the Greek gods a lot, right, Zeus and Aphrodite and Mercury and all those guys. But none of us really believe in those gods anymore. I mean, we, we might go to Rome or to Greece and see the Colosseums and be like, oh, it's a cool statue, but like, none of us pray to them. And I would love to tell you that we don't have any gods in America, but oh, we do. <laughs> and uh, as I mentioned, we've kind of got this, in my opinion, unholy trinity that we have a tendency to believe in. Little g gods that we think are going to protect us. Look at that handsome pastor. My gosh. We, we, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we think that we're in charge. That we can do it, right? And this is the American ideal, right? We're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're going to do it by ourselves. We're going to tough it up. And, and y'all, you know, don't get me wrong. We have independence and God wants stuff for you to do, but you are not going to be able to fix your life. And you are not the reason why you are sitting in this room right now. God is. And the blessings that he's given you, the talents that he's given you, the community that he's given you, this guy can't save me. How good I look, how smart I am, how talented I am, how much money I am, and we'll talk about that one in a second. But this, this is a little g-god, and it's a little g-god that will fail me, and that if I sink my identity into and my protection into and my joy into when the storm comes, I'm going to be left with the realization that I was playing pretend, and that can be really scary. Ooh, God number two. Realize we put in God we trust on our money. I always kind of find this funny. So if you want to know the history of where that comes from, it was during the Civil War. And both the North and the South decided they were going to put in God we trust because they wanted to pretend like they had the righteous answer, that they were on the right side. But now when we really think about in God we trust, I mean, this is the God, right? Identity. Security. Joy. If you have enough of this, you'll be safe. If you have enough of this, you can be happy. If you have enough of this, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, that guy's made it. And, and y'all, like, money's a tool. Right? Money's not bad. Jesus actually says money isn't bad. He says the love of money is bad. In fact, the love of money, he says, is the root of all evil. Because when we start to trust in this thing, when we start to get worried when our bank account falls below a certain account, and again, I will stand at the front of the line and say, y'all, when my savings account has to get dipped into, I get a little bit on edge. And I have to check myself and remember, oh wait, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in this thing. I'm finding security in this thing. That doesn't have my best interest in mind because money has no one's interest in mind. (laughs) It doesn't care about you. It's not faithful to you. It's a tool. It's neither good nor bad. One idol, two idol. Oh, one more thing in my pocket. It's funny, we carry these things around with us. (laughs) Oh, social media. This is my tribe, these are my people. Us versus them choosing where we, choosing what we decide is true because our people said it was true. Because we find our identity in them. And as long as we're with them, we have security. And I I like to laugh with them and joke with them. But it's not real joy and the security is built on human hands. And it's an identity that, if I'm really honest, I don't really like myself when I go all in on. All of us struggle with little g-gots, and maybe yours isn't one of those three. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's your family. All of us, it's idolatry. It's the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Really, what God is saying is, thou shalt have no other gods, period. <laughs> because when we make him one of many, what ends up happening is, depending on the day, we will interchange them. Okay, well, Jesus, he'll take care of my forgiveness of sins, but my pension will take care of my security and retirement. No, no. And again, it's not bad to have a pension. It's not bad to have retirement plans. It's a tool. Use your brain. But when we find our identity there, and all of a sudden, like in February or March 2020, and the stock market tanks 40%, it becomes real apparent, oh yeah, that that God has some problems. When we look in the mirror and we don't look as young as we used to. Oh yeah, that, that God's not particularly stable. Why, Jesus? Because at the very beginning of that psalm, we get to have a God who is faithful to us and who loves us together all the time, moment by moment. And when we have our identity in him, when we have our security in him, and when we have our joy in him, when we go back out to the world, we look different. We have a confidence in And how we're able to love people that is literally supernatural. Why are you serving? Why are you able to be generous in this moment? Aren't you freaked out about, pick your CNN breaking news? (laughs) No. I mean, it's it's a thing. I'm not pretending that didn't happen. But my security isn't there, so it doesn't shake me. My identity is there, so I don't got to blast people. My joy isn't there. So regardless, I get to have life and life to the full. That's the promise we have. That's the God that we have. That is the God who is moving for you and for your children and who is going to cause them to flourish. when we stay in sync with him and we stay with our trust with him. I'm going to invite Tanner up. We're going to pray, and then we're going to see a God at the altar where instead of us sacrificing for him, he sacrifices himself for us. we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we ask forgiveness for the little G gods we trust in. Uh, Lord, when we trust in bank accounts or mirrors or social media or whatever else. But Lord, we don't come before you in shame because you have said our identity is in your children, as your children, Lord, we come before you in joy to know that we are part of your family, that we get to be with you, and that because of what you are doing, we get to act differently. We get to be different. We don't have to be shaken by the fears of the world because we have a God who has proven himself in the past that we know will prove himself in the future. Lord God, it is good news. And Lord, we cling to it, we stand on it, and we sing it. in so precious name we pray.